Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, my guest today is Janet Croft, all the way here from jolly old England, my first international in-person guest on this fabulous podcast. And I've known you, Jan, for 20 years uh, since I married your niece. So thank you for joining us today. I appreciate you being here. Um, the reason I wanted to have you on, because you you and your husband, Paul, have been quite the world traveler since I've known you, probably even before then. Um, and you have traveled to 30 plus countries. Is that a fair guesstimate? Uh, I've never actually counted the countries that I've traveled to. We have been very lucky. We have traveled to lots of countries, probably 60 or 70, but it's never been as part of a tick list. Uh, I've never kept a tick list of countries that I've traveled to. That's not really why I've gone or what I've recorded about the countries that I've been to. That just, just the math is impressive on that. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that many. So, um, so since it's obviously not a tick list or a checklist for you to just check off your bucket list, as we call it, why do you, why do you travel to these places? Why do I travel to yeah, these places? Why do you go to these places? How do you choose it? How do you choose where you're going next? And, and, well, and why do you in go? The early, in the early days when um, I traveled on my own, I traveled to places that I could afford to go to and that were nearby, so it was mostly Europe. Um, then when Paul and I began to travel, finances were a factor in it. We had to be somewhere that we could afford and long distance, long haul travel. When we were you know, first married, we didn't have enough money for those sorts of trips. So it was within the constraints of what we could afford and where was available to us, really. We decided together. Luckily, we both more or less wanted to go to the same places. So that was fortunate. And um, neither of us are, neither of us want to go to luxury hotels or resorts or places with swimming pools where you, where you just, you know, transfer your life to another hotel and spend two weeks there. Neither of us were ever interested in that. So, Because you don't get a feel for the country that way. No, you never get a feel for the country that way. You get a feel for the servants yeah. who serve you, and that's often not very pleasant, but you don't get a feel, unless you get away from resorts and luxury spas and places like that. You don't get a feel for the country, no. Yeah, I wouldn't my wife and I travel to Mexico often and when we take we, well we, we just went one recently but when we take our kids we always try to get out into the, get away from the resort because the resorts are I mean they're designed to draw you in as a tourist and they're glamorous and glitzy and the swimming pools and yeah you're like you said that was a perfect analogy you're just taking your lifestyle and doing it somewhere else for a couple of weeks yeah. but to get out and really see how brick homes with dirt floors and people are relatively happy at least so it would seem so it's good for the kids to see you know, how other people live 
you know, so. There's a huge difference between being a tourist and being a traveler. Explain, uh, explain that, what that means to you. Well, being a tourist usually means that you're going to um, acceptable and pre-designed hotels and experiences. Whereas being a traveler, you get away from that and you get out into the countryside and you meet the people and you live as far as possible as they would live. That's fair. And that's good. I, uh, our last trip to Mexico, we rent a car when we go there and we usually stay within the, you know, within the town and the resorts, but I wanted to venture out and just go. I wanted to drive about an hour away yeah. to another city because I was uncomfortable doing it. That's why I wanted to do it. Cause I wanted to get out of, cause my comfort zone told me to stay being a tourist, being a tourist. I'm like, I want to drive just and Be maybe, get, maybe get lost. And I know enough Spanish to get in trouble, <laughs> maybe not to get out of trouble, but I wanted to do that just to, maybe it's just for my own growth, whether I even see us another human or not is one different story, but just to get out of that comfort zone, I think it's huge. Because, yeah, you don't get the feel for a, a place being in a hotel. And when we go there, one of the things that actually drives me crazy is they're playing all this American pop music. music. And I don't want – the reason I'm going to Mexico is to not be American for a, a little bit. Just to, I love uh, – I'm in the real estate industry and, and home builder and a lot of our subcontractors – are from Mexico and they are always playing the Mexican music. And I love it yeah. because it's, it reminds me of being there. But when I go to these resorts and I see nothing but people that I just left. Yeah. It's the same with food in the resorts. They give you the food that they think you want, which is usually the food from the country that you, that you came from. from and not the native indigenous ethical yeah. Menu, which you can get if you go out as a traveler, you can just stop where you see the trucks, as you call them, lorries, as I yeah. call them, a, a lorry stop, and you go in there and you get marvelous food for a fraction of the price. And it's all, all its local ingredients. And it's better, uh, just better, better experience, yeah. yeah. Much better. Yeah. And you can talk to people as well. Yeah. Oh, weird. <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, so, of all these places you've traveled, like, are they each just drastically different, or do you see a lot of similarities in humanity? The places well, obviously are, but maybe geographically, just places are very different. For example, the Middle East would be very different from Borneo or um, Costa Rica, places like that that we've been. Geographically, they're different, but in fact, I would be—I I find the similarities more striking than the differences. Like an example, people are the same. They're the same, different but the people same. People want the same things. You know, they want to get on with their lives. They want to be safe from being in a war zone. They want to be safe. They want to have enough money to feed their families, educate their children, just get on with life. You know, I find that those similarities in all of almost all of the countries that I've been to, rather than differences. Right, and you can get hung up on the differences, but I mean differences geographically and politically, of yeah. course, and in religious beliefs are very, very strong. But what 
ordinary people want, when it boils down to what ordinary people want and the way they want to live, it's very similar. Just the freedom to make their lives better. Yeah, just to have a decent life. De- a decent shot at it. Children, you know, to educate their children, to feed them, to be safe. In so many countries in the world, actually being safe now is, is a thing. It's a criteria. Yeah. yeah, and we don't here in America. We don't have an, a safe problem. Well, you do. You have. Well, got, you have. Well, I mean, where people we live, with guns just go out and massacre oh. children in schools. You're not safe. It's not a safe. But my day-to-day existence, I don't think about that. Day-to-day, my children in the school down the road could suddenly be victims of a maniac with a gun. But in I'm America, just as a general rule, like just from my perspective, that's not something I think about unless I hear something on the news. No, it's not. I a know war it's possible. Zone. Yeah, not. Yeah, it's not a it's war not zone. A war it's not zone. an unsafe. I don't fear leaving my house. Whereas some places you yeah. do. And you don't, some places you don't have a house to leave. You don't have this. Yeah, you know. So that's yeah, that's a fascinating <clears throat> perspective. Um, you know, we talked about safe. You know, you said you've. You know, if you ever feel unsafe in any of the countries, you know, particularly Middle East, just based on my limited understanding yes. of how women are treated? It's it's um, a question that you frequently ask because we've been to the Middle East quite often because my son worked in the Middle East for a length of time. And we've been to the United Arab Emirates, to Oman. And I have to say that I've felt safer in Abu Dhabi, where we spent most of the time. Um, then I felt certainly in cities in my own country, in cities in America, and I lived in New York for quite a time. I've lived in Paris and I've lived in London, and I certainly never felt safe in any of those places. In Abu Dhabi and probably wider in the Middle East, laws are very tight and punishments are very severe. So people don't break the law as much as countries that are more liberal in their way of dealing with crime. So Abu Dhabi is a big city. It's a beautiful city. It's a a big city. uh, And if you walk down the streets of Abu Dhabi at any time of the day or night, you do not see beggars on the street. You don't see people shooting up drugs, which you see even in English cities now. You don't see beggars, you don't see people on drugs, you don't see um, miserable-looking, poverty-stricken-looking people on the streets. You don't see people eating in the streets. You don't see people drinking in the streets, which you do a lot, certainly in England. I don't know about America. You probably do in America. People are drinking alcohol in the streets. You know, in England, they're they're drinking from cans. So... I would say that I felt safer in the Middle East than I did in many countries that I've been to, which is, I suppose, not what most people would imagine. Do you th- the country I felt most afraid in, I felt most afraid in the old USSR, before it was, it's now Russia in separate countries, but when we went, which was 1988, I think, it was the USSR and it was a tour and we went down to the southern state the southern countries or the, there would be states of the USSR then and i was absolutely terrified the men in those at that time 
clearly hadn't seen many white women. And if if we were on a tour, there were about 14 of us. If we got off the bus, they would make vulgar noises and vulgar gestures, a lot of it sexual. And it was awful. I felt really, really quite frightened in those states. It was southern states of, of the USSR. That was the place I felt most frightened, I have to say. And I wouldn't... Um, I wouldn't walk about the streets of Paris where I lived at night or of London where I lived at night, which was Shepherd's Bush, or of New York. I lived in New York in the 60s when it hadn't been cleaned up. Although recently my husband and myself did make a trip to New York and it felt like a different city. But at the time I actually lived there, which was the 60s, it was really quite quite a rough, quite rough. A rough city to live in, yeah. So yeah, the, the Middle East does not fill the stereotype that you obviously hold of the no, Middle East. Because I've been fed by yeah. media that's yeah. told me that. Yeah, no, it so was do you very think... safe. The laws are very tight. Yeah, and that's where my question was yeah. like, because... And the punishments are very severe. You, so, are the freedoms the same? Do you think it's a... It's oh, a, it's I would a, guess a, the freedoms are not the same. So that's probably where it comes but from. But that, that's hard to tell. I don't speak Arabic. And um, a lot of the Arabs don't actually mix with the expats. And then there's a whole underclass of people from India, Pakistan, um, the Philippines, who do all the servicing. And it, it's hard to get to know them, really. It's hard to get to know exactly what goes on. But certainly, from an expat's point of view, it was an extremely safe city. I've always heard the term expat, and I honestly don't know what that means. Expat is, it's from the Latin expatria, and it means out of your own country. So you're not an expat living. I would be an expat here in America because I'm not in my own country. Okay. I'm out of my own country. If you were to live yeah. here, that's what you're going Yes. Okay. The expats in Arab countries generally are professional people, such as my son, who's an aircraft engineer. They're professional people who go to do the professional jobs that historically Arabs haven't done. They're very new countries. Abu Dhabi, for example, is only 46 years old as a city. Wow. You know, they're new countries, so they haven't yet trained up their people to do the professional jobs. Teach Anne-Marie, uh, my son's wife, was a teacher in Abu Dhabi. So the expats do this, the professional layer of occupations that the Arabs don't yet do, but although they are learning to do some of them. Is it because then, they just don't know how to do them? Or they just, what's the... Lack of experience, just, okay. I would say, just more than don't know how to do them, because Justin was training Emiratis um, to do, you know, aircraft engineering. Okay. It, you know, it's only, the country's only 40 years old. Yeah, that's... You know? that's so anybody, anybody who's over 40 can remember that it was an oasis in the desert and their grandfathers were pearl divers, pearl fishermen. You know, they, they, they only discovered the oil something like 46 years ago. You know, so his, there haven't been enough generations for them to have t taken over and learned all of the professional occupations that they import people to do. Oh. But they are, they are doing that now. So what is the most fascinating or interesting place you've been oh and and what and what wrong. and what made it the most fascinating place 
I couldn't pick one. I couldn't, right. I couldn't pick, pick one. Six. There are several. You'd have to, I'd have to say that China was extremely interesting. Where did you visit in China? It was a tour of China. We went to, um, we started off in the south of China, Hong Kong and, and the south of China. And then we went up um, a canal and we went to um, the Great Wall, the Terracotta Warriors, Beijing, Shanghai. It, that was very, very interesting. Couldn't get to know a lot of local people in China. You know, they because we're on the, you're on a tour, you're going from one place to another. But we got a, a bit of an insight. Um, other so Australia what? was really a very interesting, and New Zealand, Tahiti. Yeah, you know, I couldn't really pick one. The um, Peru, Costa Rica. Really, you know, I couldn't really just pick one out and say that was more interesting than any other. They were all interesting in their way, you know, just as France is interesting, which is on my doorstep, you know, or Sicily, where I've just been this year. I guess it define or depends on how you define interesting. And how open your mind is, you yeah. know, doesn't it? You know, what are you going to look for? If you've got a pre, if you've got a preordained reason to go there or you're looking for such and such a thing you don't see a whole lot you know you don't see how interesting it all is i couldn't really pick one country and say it was more interesting than another see machu picchu is in peru right yeah i've wanted to go see that just because i studied it in art history right right but but just it's just because it was a place and it's a beautiful place and i've had friends that have gone there and i've seen the pictures but um so yeah how the Aztecs lived you know is which is the wider aspect of going to Peru because we went Machu Picchu was only one day we went all around lots of Aztec remains and Aztec villages and then we stayed you know in some ethnic some local places where people live nowadays but um, what the Europeans did in America as well I have to say North America, because that's South America, uh, was absolutely horrific. I, I felt utterly ashamed of of what the Europeans did to the Aztecs. As I feel ashamed of what the Europeans have done all over the world, yeah. Africa, all over the world. Well, that, I've missed out Africa in saying very interesting places, but um, yeah, Africa was very interesting as well. So you, do you, because you're European... Or are you technically European? Yes, thing we are at the okay. moment. Okay, so <laughs> watch this. Space. Do you feel a sense of responsibility because, quote unquote, that's your people that, that in the past did those horrific things? I don't feel a sense of responsibility. I feel a sense of horror about colonialism, and it's not just unique to Europeans. You know what what people do to each other across the world, you know, what Africans did to Africans yeah. as part of the slave trade was mm. just as horrific. It's a man's inhumanity you know, to it's, man. It's, it's people's, in, people's inhumanity to each other, which still goes on. Look at Syria currently, or you know, Yemen currently. You know, it, it's horrific when you think about it, what people, why do they do it? You know, that always puzzles me. When you meet ordinary people, they haven't got this yen, 
for power over other people. It's it's usually at the government level, isn't it? Yeah. In your experience, right? It's power. It's I think it's just it's a quest for power and and greed. And greed. It's power and greed. Yeah, and control. Yeah. Which it isn't. Is, I wouldn't like to just lay it at the door of Europeans, but you it's, know, it's obviously you know, because I'm European. Yeah. When I go somewhere that was a colony in the past, you know, or, or a British protectorate in the past, I, I, I feel ashamed. It's fascinating. <laughs> As some Americans must feel ashamed of what they've done to Native Americans. Yeah. If we're talking about I, shame, and, and I don't. And I, can, I think maybe it's maybe it's we need to define shame because when I think of shame, it's like I'm ashamed of something that I. Usually, shame is something that you did i'm not ashamed i'm like you horrified at what <clears throat> if these if if these stories of what happened are accurate it's horrific what people do to each other yeah. i don't feel ashamed i don't feel a sense of responsibility because I don't they feel, weren't I'm my responsible people. i, I would do never have done that and i've not done anything yeah. even remotely like that in my whole long life right. but there's a there's a thinking that well that's your people so you need to you know be accountable for that well i, I didn't do that those weren't my relatives i didn't do that mm-hmm. But it's horrific. Yes. So again, defining, like you said, what is it the other day you said about definitions or defining when, when you're having a conversation? What's that you told me the other day? Oh, Making sure the definitions. Oh, are, the philosophical, the first law of philosophy is before we converse, we must define our terms. Yes. So defining so what shame means. Shame, or, what shame means to you and shame means to me. Maybe different. different yeah. but for power the means the to you and yeah. power means to me. What money means to you or money means to me. Yeah. What is your like your greatest takeaway from all your travels? Like if if, if you were to leave if someone was listening to this and, and some one great thing that about travel My greatest takeaway is my store of memories and reminiscences. Personal to me, I suppose. To go into that more detail, I would say my greatest takeaway is knowledge of other people of just ordinary people I'm just an ordinary person I'm not an English lord or lady I'm an ordinary person so my knowledge of ordinary people around the world has been greatly expanded extended by traveling and I would say probably my understanding and sympathy for Ordinary people around the world has been greatly enhanced from all the places I've been and the ordinary people I've met. You know, most people are friendly, they're open, they just want to get on with their lives. You know, then their wants and needs are so simple, and yet somebody somewhere is exploiting them. And I do, I, I do regret all of that, really. Yeah, my greatest takeaway is what I've got stored inside, really. And for someone who's listening that may want to travel or is afraid to travel, or what, what would you say to them? Do it. <laughs> Do it. But don't go to um, resorts and luxury hotels. You know, just go. Tours. If, if, if you want to learn. If you want to yes. learn, yes. Tours are um, a lot of our... Places such as China, India, Machu Picchu with tours. And to put together, it depends how much time you have. I was working at the time that I went to those places. So I had a, a 
probably two or three weeks at the most. And, and you don't want to spend it queuing up at railway stations and finding hotels and boring things like that. If you go on a tour, they will take you where you want to go and they'll organise your travel between places. And I would say if you want to go to a faraway place that's very different from the place that you live in, a, a cultural tour is the best way to do it, really. Do you think hassling with the hotels and the travel when you're in those countries is good? Or do you think it takes away like oh, it, the effort to have to... I couldn't be bothered with it. Do that. It's not part of the fun. No. Uh, finding your own airline tickets, your own rail tickets, your own bus tickets, finding your way from X to Y. And takes the fun Negotiating out. at a hotel, finding a room. It's just... It, it takes up hours of time, and it doesn't. You don't learn anything from it, really. You can do that in your own country, other, other than frustration. <laughs> you can you can have that sort of frustration in your own country. Yeah, sure. Take anything. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Couldn't be. So it. it's okay. And I mean, I can do it in Europe. Because, yes. Yeah. You know, I can. I can get along in Europe. I know the systems. But if I was in India or in China, you know, it would be difficult. I don't know the language. I don't know the systems. You know, you're you're all the time having to backhand people, you know, bribe people to do things for you. You don't know if you pick up a you know, pick up a bus or a taxi, you don't know that it's kosher, that you you know, you're gonna get where you safe want to go. It's really it can take you anywhere. It's gonna be the end of you or yeah. yeah. So have so most of your travels been tours, like organized uh, tours. The travels or? to the long haul travels have been tours. The only one we put together ourselves, we've put together Australia, New Zealand. Tasmania, um, Tahiti, across the Pacific. And then we came up to you in when you lived in California. Yes, yes, that I remember one, that. We put that one together ourselves. In yeah, India and all of those were Sri Lanka. They were tours. China and all of those were tours. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. That's that's amazing that you were able to do such of you know such. You know, to be able to travel like that—that's that's mind blowing. I've been to four countries. I don't think Canada counts because I just crossed over the border and touched the ground and came back over. <laughs> well, it's a country. It's, it's a country, so I <laughs> didn't really experience. I experienced the border. You know, I haven't been to Canada actually. That's our next. Canada. Probably next year we're going to do Canada. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's it's it's. I remember when I was eighteen was the first time I traveled, and my grandfather asked my sister and I to go to. Scotland with him. Yeah, my uncle really was a professor and he was teaching at the University of Edinburgh. Oh, right. right. And so we went over and I remember being nervous, excited, but nervous, especially when we got on the ground because the Scottish accent is so strong. Oh, Even with English, you can't tell what people say. I could not understand a word and I was intimidated. I didn't want to go into, I, I was afraid to go into a, a post office to buy stamps to mail a postcard. <laughs> Hi. Because I, I was, I was just, it, it was amazing. Yeah. And I wish, you know, I will do more of it before I die. But, um, but one just, advantage of speaking English, and that includes American, of course, is that in most countries of the world, there is somebody who speaks English. And, and um, I often think, you know, if you're German or even French, you know, you, it wouldn't be so easy. Because yeah, the disadvantage of... A little anecdote in China. We were walking in a a park in Beijing. We were having a walk, and there was a man sitting on a bench 
with a with a book and it was reading it was reading um an American book, I can't remember what it was at the time. And he heard us speaking and he got up off his bench and walked towards us and he said, Can I practice my English on you? And he it's he walked with us and talked with us for a while. And he said that if he could speak English, he could get a much better job. And that was, you know, out in the wilds. You never expect to meet somebody in a park in Beijing who speaks English. Yeah. And and um, that is a huge advantage. And Americans includes American because although it is a different accent and some different words, fundamentally it's English, isn't it? Yeah. And I wonder how that was ever decided that English would be the international well, because language. Because we invaded you. Oh, that's right. You guys owned everything. <laughs> you owned everything on the planet at one point, right? Yeah, we invaded you. You right. threw us out. It was 1777 yes. or something. You, you had a war of independence. Don't you remember? No, just, yes, I was there. <laughs> Where were your history lessons? Oh, <laughs> you threw whole, us out. That's a whole other story. Thank you again for listening to the Parish the Thought Show. We would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. 